Hello, and welcome to Accountability Talks with AGA. I'm your host, Paul Marshall. Today, we're speaking with Mitch Winans from the IRS about their digitalization priorities, talking about how they are looking across the entire IRS enterprise for opportunities to modernize, digitize, make things machine-readable, artificial intelligence, RPA, and just to improve their business processes, all with the goal of helping us, the U.S. taxpayer. So without further ado, let's talk to Mitch. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. All right, so today, very happy to have a guest from IRS, the IRS, where we're going to be talking about digitalization. So why don't we get right into it? Uh, we have Mitch Winans here. So hello, Mitch. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well, Paul. Thanks very much for having me. Absolutely. Well, why don't you just start off, uh, give us a little background on yourself and uh, what you do over the, at the IRS. Absolutely. Thanks again um, uh, for having me. It's great to be here and represent our team. So um, I am a, currently a senior advisor with the IRS's new Enterprise Digitalization and Case Management Office. Um, we're a brand new organization that was set up uh, in summer of 2020. So we're coming up on about a 11, uh, almost 12 months old now, uh, which is wild to realize. Um, but in my role as a senior advisor, I focus on our digitalization portfolio. And I'm essentially responsible for organizational development and strategic planning initiatives as we build our new team. So uh, very excited to be here and look forward to telling you more about our team's great work today. Awesome. Well, yeah, let's get right into it. Um, let's talk a little bit about you know, the, your, it's called the EDCMO, the Digitalization and Case Management Office, just a little bit. You said it started in 2020. Um, so just for our listeners, you know, why did you all establish that office? What are some of its primary goals? Sure, sure. Yeah, great question. So, so kind of high level background um, that might be helpful for the audience is uh, the overall mission of the Enterprise Digitalization and Case Management Office is to enhance the taxpayer and IRS employee experience through modernizing and consolidating legacy systems, uh, simplifying or uh, reimagining business processes, and empowering taxpayers and IRS employees to, to more rapidly resolve issues through simplified digital tools and, and digital environments. So really thinking about things in a more of a self-service capacity. So uh, our organization is essentially divided into uh, two different divisions. Uh, the, the first division is the uh, enterprise case management division, and that division is focused on building an enterprise-wide uh, case management platform. So uh, um, essentially taking in dozens of legacy systems and hundreds of uh, legacy business processes and, and migrating that into a more uh, modern, agile, uh, digital case management platform that can manage all viruses cases. So uh, think of a case as any any type of transaction or project that the uh, IRS needs to open or close for a taxpayer. So you're very, very familiar with that, I'm sure, with, with your work. Um, so the, the second division within EDCMO is the Enterprise Digitalization Division, and that's where I focus. Um, and uh, we're essentially a customer experience and data management and process improvement office uh, all wrapped up uh, in, uh, under one roof. So um, and I'll be able to dive more into that in, in a little bit, but essentially looking at ways for um, how, do, how do we – uh, create a more digitally driven IRS. How can we, um, you know, improve experiences for taxpayers and IRS employees? And kind of looking at what's the best uh, combination of policy 
and business process and technology that can help meet taxpayers and employees where they are today um, and, and fulfill some of our other strategic goals, which I'll dive into. So, uh, so the second part of your question, why was the enterprise digitalization and case management established uh, last year? So it's a, it's a great question, and there are uh, several different motivating factors for the creation of, of our new organization. So um, the, the first area is uh, legislative. There were uh, a few pieces of legislation that really drove the creation here. So, for example, the Taxpayer First Act, that was a statute that was signed into law in 2019, and that's focused on uh, customer experience and improving the taxpayer experience for um, all categories of taxpayers, as well as uh, looking at modernizing internal operations for, for employees in different parts of the IRS organization. Uh, another piece of legislation was the 21st Century IDEA Act, which uh, also looked at um, across the government modernizing uh, legacy systems and business processes and um, how can, um, you know, looking at how can agencies go, go digital um, and improve in that way and kind of uh, look ahead to the future of work and the future needs of, of taxpayers and delivery of services to citizens. Uh, another category, um, uh, motivating factor for why the organization was stood up was uh, some government-wide mandates. So, for example, the National Archives and Records Administration, they have a, uh, a relatively new mandate um, that by the end of 2022, federal agencies can no longer submit paper records to their federal records centers. So that's a big uh, government-wide mandate that uh, the IRS and other agencies are developing strategies for, uh, for fulfilling and responding to. Um, some other government-wide mandates are the president's management agenda. Uh, there's some really, really uh, great goals in there that are called cross-agency priority goals or CAP goals. Um, and there are, there are several in there that are related to our work in the uh, Digitalization Case Management Office here. So, um, for example, improving uh, customer experience for, for taxpayers, um, shifting from low-value to high-value work for employees, and really looking at some of those uh, manual, redundant, and time-consuming processes that could potentially be automated, um, as well as uh, um, you know, preparing the, the workforce for the 21st century and kind of really looking, looking ahead to the future. Uh, so some great things in there, as well as the, da the data strategy um, that exists for, for government-wide. Um, another, another reason we were stood up is um, from feedback from taxpayers and practitioners. So just challenges or requests or, or comments that taxpayers and uh, the tax practitioner community have, have made over the years. Um, and then also IRS employees, um, you know, sharing challenges or, or requests or ideas for how can they improve their day-to-day -day work, uh, how can how can things potentially be streamlined? Um, how can we maybe automate some some legacy business processes that are that are manual? Um, if we have very paper paper intensive uh, processes or activities, are there ways to reduce that paper volume or paper intake and um, and, and go digital first or digital by default with some of those uh, particular forms and processes? Uh, so things like that. And then uh, uh, lastly, uh, last motivating factor. Um, was COVID-19 um, and, and the pandemic. Um, a, a colleague uh, uh, said a great quote to me recently and says, necessity is the mother of invention, uh, right? So I really, uh, uh, I think that really holds true here for the last year and a half or, or so for um, organizations across the world, but um, uh, particularly in an organization like the IRS. So I think COVID really made us as an agency um, focus on keeping taxpayers safe and our employees safe while still ensuring that we fulfilled our critical tax administration duties and, and, and funding democratic government. Um, and also, as we've seen, the, the disadvantaged and, and vulnerable have, have really been hit hardest by the pandemic. 
uh, for the IRS has had a critical role to play and stepping up to try, try to support those folks. So, of course, with the uh, American Rescue Plan and, and the CARES Act and, and some of those uh, stimulus packages, the IRS and the Bureau of Fiscal Service and other partners across Treasury have played a key role in um, issuing those economic impact payments and, and providing some critical resources to, to taxpayers. Um, extending the tax filing season last year in 2020 was extended till July 15th, which was the uh, latest tax deadline in history. This year it was uh, extended to May 17th. So again, uh, pretty significant extensions there uh, to try to provide some relief to taxpayers, um, but also uh, uh, puts a significant uh, strain and pressure on the IRS to uh, keep the doors open, so to speak, and continue fulfilling our important tax administration duties. So, um, but but yeah, I think COVID was. Uh, a, a wide motivating factor in many different ways. And it really just highlighted how financial services are more important than ever uh, during a pandemic and during an economic crisis. I think we've seen that taxpayers and um, whether they're individuals or companies, uh, they're turning to accountants and actuaries and auditors and, and others in the financial services field to help keep their balances, uh, excuse me, keep their balance sheets strong during the storm. And, and it's just highlighted how money movement is a critical task in good times and bad. And the IRS has a key role to play there. So we think uh, the, the stand-up of the, the Enterprise Digitalization and Case Management Office is an example of how IRS is trying to do its part um, to respond to the pandemic and show the public uh, support in a time of crisis. Yeah, that's great. And I think, uh, you know, one reason I wanted to do this podcast is because I think you guys are doing some stuff that other agencies definitely would be interested in doing, and you all could kind of give a uh, you know, an example of how it could be done. Um, and speaking of which, you know, why don't we uh, kind of get into a little bit of examples or specifics? I thought it'd be nice to share, if you don't mind, maybe, you know, three or so of the priorities you guys are working on and specific examples of each. So, uh, you know, you already mentioned some things, paperwork and using some tools, AI or RPA, things like that. But do you mind just kind of going over top three, maybe the, the three most Prior, you know, highest priority, interesting goals, and how, some examples of what you all are doing in those areas. Sure, sure, absolutely. No, it's a, it's a great question. So, for the enterprise digitalization team, we we really focus our, our work around uh, three strategic goals. Uh, the first goal is to reduce the paper volume uh, across the IRS. So, this is really thinking about uh, paper that's incoming, paper that's internally generated, or paper that's externally sent. Um, so, so an example of an initiative we have related to that is uh, um, kind of looking at some of the policy work that we're doing. So um, uh, looking at records retention policies, for example, we have certain types of tax documents um, that we're required to maintain, obviously for uh, some for statutory reasons, um, you know, uh, legal um, uh, requirements and things like that. But we're also just trying to take a hard look at internal IRS policies. Um, for example, we have a, a, a form that we're currently required to store uh, for 75 years um, uh, for various reasons. So we're taking a hard look at that and saying, is there any way that we could potentially modify that records retention policy to reduce it from, uh, you know, 75 years to, to 55 years or 25 years? You know, uh, potentially looking at um, the benefits of that would be reducing the physical storage costs that are uh, required for that or um, actually, the, um, the shipping or receiving costs if we need to access or extract any of those documents that are stored in uh, physical storage facilities around around the country. So, um, again, looking looking at that, kind of another example of, of policy is extending.
imagining some some COVID flexibilities, uh, such as electronic signatures, um, more permanently, and, and not just having it be um, uh, for the duration of the pandemic. We've got a lot of positive feedback from uh, taxpayers and tax practitioners, as well as employees related to that. So some examples there of policies um, that are helping us kind of reduce the paper volume of paper intake across the IRS. Um, uh, second uh, strategic goal for digitalization is to increase our access to digital data um, across the IRS, or in other words, um, how can we convert some of our paper-based information and data that we have uh, into a digital format or a machine-readable format so that we can leverage uh, different technologies like AI, machine learning, and robotic process automation and other data analytics tools uh, to really help us uh, kind of find the signal and the noise, if you will, and kind of better understand and leverage or make use of, of our data, um, the huge amounts of data that the IRS has. The IRS is one of the largest data management organizations uh, in the world, and so we really want to try to unlock the, uh, the power and the potential of all that data and help us make uh, improved decisions uh, across the enterprise. Uh, so the and apologies, the third strategic goal for digitalization is to prepare the IRS to effectively manage and leverage digital data. Um, so this is really, uh, especially over the next couple of years as we really um, achieve those, those, those prior two strategic goals and kind of wrap our heads around all of the, the, the data that we do have. Um, and so this is really uh, kind of touching on the, the training and change management piece um, as, as part of that. So. That's looking at how do we engage with different IRS um, business units and operating divisions and, and employees and making sure that they're um, properly equipped and enabled to maybe take on a new business process or leverage a, a new technology effectively. Um, another example of that is, is also looking at the uh, um, kind of the emerging technology space and, and really business process improvement space and how can we potentially identify and leverage new, tool, new tools or technologies that can help us enhance some of those uh, those business processes. So, so kind of touching on that third strategic goal, and that second strategic goal is uh, looking at things like um, uh, you know 2D barcode capabilities for for different uh, IRS business units, and and, and applying that to um, different forms. Also looking at um, uh, different software capabilities that can help us convert income paper or return, uh, or even correspondence into a digital format immediately once they're received, so that we can have that that digital machine readable format and be able to leverage other tools or technologies related to that. So that's a little bit on those uh, um, three three strategic goals, and I know it kind of touches on some of the um, technology verticals and, and other things that we've talked about previously, but I'm happy to dive into any more of that um, uh, that, that sounds good to you or your, your audience, Paul. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I think another really innovative thing we had talked about before uh, recording here is is the technology verticals, the pilots you guys are doing, and you have sort of a test and learn approach, which is just really interesting. Um, and we'll talk about kind of the procurement side of that later. But I, just to start with, I was curious, can you kind of, you know, get a little deeper into what is this test and learn approach and, you know, why is that something you all chose and how does that work? Sure, sure. Great, great question. Yeah, thanks for thanks for asking. So I think uh, – um, it reminds me, uh, there, there's a great quote that President um, JFK had many years ago, and it's, uh, the quote is that leadership and learning are indispensable to each other. Uh, and that's a, that's a great uh, phrase or words of inspiration that, that we try to think about constantly in our organization um, as we build this new digitalization and case management office. So um, from there, we really think about focusing on that test and learn approach, right? So that's 
really thinking about um, concentrating on continued learning, continued innovation, um, and really trying to be incremental or modular. Um, we often struggle in, in the government with, for, for various reasons, uh, of kind of going all in up front, right, and, and spending large amounts of money and large amounts of time on a particular uh, um, technology or, or a business process or some other type of approach um, without really uh, kind of testing it and, and, you know, taking it taking it for a test drive and seeing seeing how it is um, on, a, on a smaller scale before we uh, implement it more broadly uh, across an entire uh, program or office or, or agency. So, uh, so that test and learn approach, I think we're really just trying to focus on return on investment, um, whether that's direct, uh, you know, ROI, looking at time savings or cost savings or improving accuracy or compliance, um, you know, or really can help, is, is it a technology or process that can help us identify new cost savings or, or missed revenue opportunities that, um, at the IRS, right, and, and things that could help us fundamentally shift the financial position of, um, of the, the U.S. government. But then also looking at the indirect ROI, um, you know, kind of having this test and learn approach and, and kind of uh, trying to socialize that kind of philosophy uh, helps send a message to employees and uh, external stakeholders and, and, and partners in industry like yourself um, that we're really taking this seriously and we're really looking at things like change management um, and trying to tackle the inertia and then build the momentum so that we can really have that uh, digital transformation and really become more of a digitally driven or digitally enabled uh, agency. So, um, you know, some of those indirect ROI pieces are key too. And also looking at customer experience and employee experience and direct feedback from the actual end users, um, uh, internal and external to the IRS that actually use these forms or, or processes or, or technologies to, to do their job or fulfill their uh, tax obligations. So. For example, asking questions like, was I able to uh, accomplish my goal? Was the, was the IRS easy to interact with? Uh, did I have an emotionally positive experience uh, with the IRS, either as a taxpayer or as an employee, if it's an internal process? So, uh, so those are kind of some of the things we try to uh, think about or focus on for that test and learn approach in everything that we do. Um, and to uh, come to the other part of your question um, related to the visualization team's technology verticals, um, uh, glad, glad you asked that. So as part of our work, uh, again, the digitalization team focuses on what's the best combination of uh, policy and business process and technology to help us achieve those three strategic goals and create a more digitally driven uh, IRS. Uh, but from there, kind of that technology piece, we have what we call technology verticals or, or focus areas. And we have three uh, technology vertical areas that, that we're currently concentrating on. So uh, the, the first technology vertical is looking at high-speed scanning or scanning as a service uh, tools and technology. So that's really looking at how can we um, more rapidly uh, convert our uh, paper analog data into a digital format. Um, so one, we can make better use of all the data that we have, and then two, so that we can reduce or eliminate uh, the, the paper volume and, and the, the paper storage and some of those um, high costs that, that we have every year to maintain those documents. Um, and then the, the second technology vertical that we're focused on is uh, looking at data extraction tools or uh, tools that can help us convert uh, data to machine-readable formats, um, um, for instance, from uh, documents or, or maybe poor quality images of documents. So this area, this technology vertical, we're looking at tools like optical character recognition, um, intelligent character recognition, 
um, kind of 2D barcoding or QR codes for, for forms and that other um, items I mentioned there. So um, so some, some great stuff and great opportunities there in that, that vertical as well. And then the, uh, the, the third technology vertical or focus area is probably the broadest, um, and that's looking at um, automation, artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning, um, data analytics would also be in that. Um, so this is this is a bigger one that that's really looking at once we do get our our data into more of a um, digital format, a machine readable format. How can we use some of these tools to gather and analyze that data in a meaningful way? Identify patterns, uh, categorize it, classify it, get into the hands of the end user more more quick more quickly, and, and help them focus on what matters most so they can make better uh, data driven business decisions. So. Uh, so from there, some examples of that um, is, is looking at things like uh, machine learning capabilities and uh, how can we leverage software tools that um, kind of automatically learn on their own and don't need to be explicitly programmed where they can start to pick up on on patterns and, and trends from, from the various types of data that, that we have coming in. Um, another area that we're looking at is uh, natural language processing or uh, chatbots is the uh, common application of that. So looking at uh, chatbots for either an internal um, uh, functionality for some type of operations or support function, you know, in the uh, procurement or finance or human resources or one of the uh, tax service enforcement offices or uh, external chatbots that are kind of taxpayer facing um, if, if they have a question. So some examples of chatbots are, uh, for example, uh, uh, informational chatbots. So think of uh, you know, kind of like a, a FAQ or to provide a website link or help uh, taxpayers download a document. Uh, another type of chatbot is a transactional chatbot. So something that could help taxpayers open a new account or maybe reset their password, uh, maybe make a payment or process some type of financial transaction. And a third category of chatbots is uh, the really exciting uh, um, uh, futuristic one is the advisory chatbot. So chatbots that can uh, understand a, a taxpayer's employee's uh, question or problem that they're trying to solve, and then from that be able to make personalized recommendations and give specific uh, suggestions for them to be able to quickly and effectively resolve um, uh, their issues. So that's a little bit more about those those three uh, technology verticals there. Um, uh, um, and, and we have recently posted some uh, request for information for industry, and we've also had uh, some, some industry listening sessions related to this. We're still doing everything we can to engage with industry uh, virtually, even though we haven't been able to connect in person yet because of COVID. Um, but gotten some great feedback and, and great interest from industry on this because um, we're not going to be able to um, fulfill our mission and, and, and do our jobs without uh, robust strategic partnerships from, from folks in industry. So. Um, it's a really, really exciting part of these technology verticals is, is being able to do that and, and forge those relationships and, um, you know, see what, what the, what the um, most uh, impactful capabilities currently are in the technology marketplace. So hopefully that was a little helpful overview there of the, uh, the technology vertical pilots. So really just some questions there. And I have some, some other items we can get into um, as well related to pilot IRS. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I just wanted to one side comment on, you know, you mentioned chatbots, and I think I've mentioned this in other podcasts, but it's, I'm still amazed how far things like chatbots have gone. And even just a couple of years, I remember, you know, a couple of years ago, I would go on some, you know, phone website, you know, update my cell phone or something, and the chatbot would pop up and I would cringe and run away. And now I went on there a couple of days ago, and that thing was able to do every single thing I wanted, natural language, no 
robotic questions, and I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, it literally did everything I wanted it to do. So, I mean, I think there's some things out there. I'm sure you guys are finding some pretty impressive stuff, right? Yeah, absolutely. It is. Uh, yeah, it's in, and same here. I mean, uh, I think a lot of it is incredible uh, how uh, the technology is, is advanced, you know, even within the last uh, 10 years or even just the, the last few years. But yeah, dude, uh, I think a lot of um, taxpayers and citizens are just uh, becoming more accustomed to these types of tools or, or, or capabilities in their personal lives or in their consumer applications, you know, whether it's with uh, streaming services or ride sharing services or uh, you know even, even just uh, you know travel or, or commercial banking commercial financial services i mean we've, um, it's hard to ignore the incredible advances and, and kind of the availability of cheap computing power right and um it's it's not really a matter of if but when are we going to integrate these these types of tools at, at the irs and more broadly across you know, the government and we're starting to see more and more of it um which which is really exciting so uh, essentially entering kind of a, a digital revolution or uh, what could really end up being, a, a, in my view, a, a productivity boom, right? So we could really enhance the way that IRS does business and then also improve our employees' experiences um, in the delivery of services to taxpayers um, through things like chatbots or some of those related tools. So I'm with you. It's a really, a really exciting and important time for us to intelligently explore and uh, integrate some of these tools into our operations. Yeah, no, I, I look forward to when I can just go to IRS, go to the chatbot, ask any tax question pertinent to any year, to any entity, and it's just like, here's the answer. Good to go. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah, simple as that. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I think it's possible. So um, let's, I think to, to wrap it up here, I wanted to talk a little bit about the unique approach you all had to, I'm going to call it resources, because it's not just contractors and industry, but also academia or even internal open source kind of things. Um, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about the different ways you all are uh, obtaining resources or, or support from either industry or academics or just internal to uh, support your, your pilots that you're doing there. Sure, sure. Uh, absolutely. So it's, uh, um, again, kind of like what I was alluding to earlier, um, our, our agency, like all federal agencies, we're literally not appropriated or authorized to uh, to do our work on our own, right? We're, we're mandated to partner with the private sector and academia um, to help us uh, fulfill our mission and, and get our job done. And we, we can't can't succeed without those robust uh, external partnerships and, and stakeholder uh, relationships. So um, so so from there, I, I do want to uh, give a, a big thank you and shout out to our partners in the uh, IRS Chief Procurement Office. Um, I previously had the, had the good fortune of working there for about four years, um, along with some others before uh, coming over last summer to, to create help create the new uh, Enterprise Division Case Management Office. So, uh, so a big thanks to, to some of our folks in the procurement office, our, our CPO Shannon Weber, um, Marcy Almeida, and some of the other great contracting officers there. Uh, the previous Deputy Chief Procurement Officer Harrison Smith, um, who is now the uh, Director of the Enterprise Digitalization Team. Um, but anyways, from there, one of the uh, one of the ways that we're looking at um, uh, looking at obtaining uh, resources or some of these uh, services or particularly these technology verticals that we're looking at, the emerging tech space, is um, by leveraging a a great new methodology that the procurement team created called a pilot IRS. And essentially that uh, is, uh, let's buy like a venture capitalist, let's buy like a VC. So pilot IRS is a, a streamlined acquisition and phase funding approach for quickly 
identifying, testing, uh, evaluating, and deploying emerging technology uh, or things that we don't know a lot about across the IRS. So, so from there, the Pilot IRS uh, methodology essentially has three goals. Uh, the first goal is to promote innovative responses to IRS challenges. Uh, the second goal is to broadly communicate uh, those challenges and technologies that interest IRS um, to industry and academia and external partners. And the third goal is uh, to provide a streamlined progression from concept to prototype to testing and then limited deployment. So, um, so it's really looking at kind of an agile, rapid uh, methodology that, that helps us um, uh, pr provide those benefits. And, and like I was saying earlier, so we don't have to try to go all in up front, right? We can kind of um, have that test and learn approach uh, via specific acquisition and uh, phase funding uh, methodology. So the, the beauty of, of this pilot RS methodology is that no special contracting or budget authority is needed, um, right? So it, it uses FAR Part 12, uh, which is a commercial services and then a, um, a FAR Federal Acquisition Regulation, uh, Part 13, uh, which is uh, related to simplified acquisition procedures. So all federal agencies have this. Uh, the, the IRS does not have a, a special R&D contracting authority or some of the some of the types of things that you see, maybe see at DOD or DHS or Department of Energy or some of the national labs. Um, but it, it takes that same spirit and intent of uh, uh, some of the R&D contracting and allows us to more rapidly uh, create some of those phase procurement or phase structured projects. We can take a look at uh, some of these tools and the, the items I mentioned there are technology verticals is where this is going to come into play. Um, looking at AI and machine learning and um, and other types of automation and some of that uh, um, optical character recognition. We just released an RFI for that a couple months ago. Also looking at um, kind of high-speed scanning or scanning as a service models. Uh, and, and we'll be using a pod RS methodology and, and partnering with procurement um, to get that done. So, uh, so we're very, very proud of that um, uh, methodology and, and very thankful for our partnerships with the IRS procurement organization and some of our other uh, coalitions we've been able to build across government to try to um, bring bring in the, um, the best technologies and approaches to IRS so that we can better fulfill our mission and serve taxpayers. Yeah, and I, I think it's just very a nice, innovative, fast way to get you know several vendors or whoever to try out different concepts, and you kind of have a phased approach. You know, let's check it out in a month. Let's check it out in a couple months. Let's see where we are in six months, and you know, you decide. Okay, let's go forward with this one. Let's not go forward with that one. You know, it's just a great flexibility you guys have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, that, and that's the idea. And another benefit or, or goal is that we're really trying to attract some of those non-traditional partners um, or companies that don't typically do business with the IRS or don't typically do business with the government at all. So uh, really looking at some of those um, startups or those smaller companies that um, may be located in different parts of the country or, or kind of uh, um, uh, don't always play in the government marketplace. So I'm really excited about what that uh, um, the, the great progress we've seen with that IRS program the last uh, year or two. And then it's going to be crucial uh, um, uh, for the remainder of this year and looking into FY22 as we build out our new digitalization organization. So, so really excited to, to have that be one of the tools in the toolbox for us. Yeah, great. So uh, my last question kind of piggybacks on that. So that's, you know, maybe one suggestion for folks out there. Check out FAR 12 and 13 if you want some flexible procurement options. But in addition to that, you know, uh, if another agency wants to, you know, embark on a similar test and learn approach, what are some things that, you know, top two or three things you would recommend to get started on that path? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great, it's a great question. We're, we're constantly uh, thinking about this and, and trying to learn from others that have uh, done some phenomenal work across the government and 
and other industries. So uh, I think first first uh, piece of advice for other organizations that are trying to implement a similar test and learn approach um, is, is this motto. It's uh, start small, think big, and iterate often. So really make sure that you are focused on what are you trying to accomplish. And in order to identify that, make sure you're speaking with end users, um, you know, people that are on the ground every day using this tool or, or process or system that you're trying to look at. And then create a system or identify a process that really is, you know, start with low risk, high impact, and, and things that will enable a quick win um, for you. So, so from there, I, I, you know, a, a key item is executive sponsorship is key. Having a visible local leader is crucial to success. Um, also identifying champions and change agents throughout the organization. Uh, like I said, really leverage your workforce and, and identify or engage those champions at all levels of the organization. Uh, they're crucial for, for socialization uh, and, and of, of new ideas and really building consensus and momentum for, for new initiatives. Um, and then also building coalitions uh, is, is critical. Internal um, uh, things like uh, partnering with IT, your IT organization, legal, policy entities, as well as external. Uh, we've really benefited from engaging with uh, folks at uh, DOD and uh, DHS, Department of Labor, um, uh, as well as GSA and, and OMB and some of those other communities of practice, you know, for example, the federal RPA community of practice, the federal AI community of practice. Um, we, we certainly have benefited from a lot of lessons learned from some of the folks that are on similar digital uh, transformation journeys uh, there. So really encourage you all those building coalitions. And then um, kind of the, the last uh, recommendation I have or lesson learned is that uh, remember that, that progress isn't always linear, right? There, there are definitely ups and downs along that, that path of progress, um, but stay persistent and, and really build upon the progress of those that, that came before you. Um, and, and it's kind of, you know, our responsibility, the next generation to, to run the next leg of the journey, um, so, so to speak. So really thinking about that and, and the goal or measure of success should, should not be perfection, right? Uh, there's different types of return on investment for different projects. So, I really, we really try to view things as uh, the goal should should be is the newer method outperforming the older method, and what are we learning at each iteration? Really focus on that, that continuous learning and innovation. So, some thoughts, uh, some thoughts there. Hopefully, that's helpful for other uh, folks that are thinking about uh, uh, implementing a similar test and learn approach at their organization. Absolutely, I think that was a great way to summarize the whole approach. Honestly, you know, we're learning things here. We're not saying we're going to get it right every time, but when we get it wrong, we learn and we make it better. So, but anyway, so Mitch, yeah, thank you very much for joining us today. I think it was a great conversation, and uh, yeah, I uh, I look forward to uh, hopefully some more in person events here in the AGA world, and uh, we can catch up at some other time. But yeah, thanks again for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Paul. It's great speaking with you. Appreciate the opportunity to represent our team. Also, look look forward to seeing you at a future AGA event. That's the show. Thanks for tuning in. Check us out at agacgfm.org or just download us to your uh, mobile device, your pad, your whatever you use to listen to podcasts. We are out there and everywhere and we're looking forward to the next one but until then this is your host Paul Marshall signing off for Accountability Talks with AGA